Welcome to Pickle Me This, the officially unofficial podcast for Rick and Morty on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm Aaron. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today we're covering Season 2, Episode 3, Auto-Erotic Assimilation. Here's Aaron with the recap. Rick, Morty, and Summer bump into one of Rick's old lovers on response to an alien distress call. Rick's former flame, Unity, is a collective parasitic hive mind that infects a planetary population and bends it to their will. Unity is as fascinated with Rick's radical individuality as he is with their ability to satisfy nearly any desire he can think of. Unfortunately, their relationship is totally toxic, leaving Unity spiraling into addiction and Rick suicidal. Speaking of toxic relationships, an argument over Rick's boundaries within the family explodes into a vicious argument between Beth and Jerry. And you know things are bad when you find yourself rooting for a disease-ridden, baby-eating, alien monster to wade in and break things up big John McCarthy style. So Jim, autoerotic assimilation, what'd you think? I love it. I love that autoerotic assimilation. Mm, don't think uh, better than autoeroticism is assimilation. <laughs> Add the distinctiveness of your squanch to our own. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is, wow. What do you say about this episode? I mean, it's good on so many levels, but it's also, it it feels so personal. It feels like I'm getting a window into the souls of the people who wrote it. Mm. Uh, and I'm a little troubled by what I see, but also... I don't know. There's enough humor to to not leave me entirely bummed at the end of this, but they really try hard to bum me out. Yeah, no, it's it's that that last minute or so is a <sighs> real gut punch. Like it's up there with uh, you know something you'd see on the leftovers on HBO. Yeah, like just bleak. The darkest thing I've seen on the show yet. Yeah, and it's like. It all makes sense in the context that says so much about Rick. I mean, this is the reason I guess, like you know, that it's it's impossible to kind of write Rick off because like anyone that has this kind of depth of feeling, you know, <laughs> and I'm not saying there's anything good there, but there's definitely there's definitely humanity that can be identified with. Sure, yeah, uh, it's it's <laughs> in a bizarre way refreshing from the typical nihilistic view of Rick, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. while also being incredibly sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a real fucker of an episode, and I don't feel like I've totally gotten my head around it. Sure, but here we are. Let's talk about it. Uh, I think there's a lot of really funny things, like uh, you know, in it's funny how they can make jokes and have addiction and things like that be funny right up until it's not. Oh yeah, but like I really enjoyed Unity talking about, uh, you know, I really shouldn't be driving this uh, a hovercopter. I really shouldn't be running 200,000 pediatric hospitals or 12 million deep fryers, but oh well, you know, and and Unity's self-serving TV coverage where they've got mm-hmm. the anchors saying, uh, you know, in, in other news, this isn't all as bad as it looks. We're in complete control. And also grandkids, concerned uh, family members or total killjoys and uh-huh. the way the kids are illustrated. It's just so fucking petty. And it's, it's man, in, a, in just 24 episodes, 24 minutes they introduce a character who is a believable love interest for rick and Mm. you totally get why they're fascinated with each other and you also totally get how terrible they are and oh they're awful for each other it takes prestige dramas four or five seasons to tell the 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 storytelling that they've got 
going on here. But then again, they don't have the ability to hang glide into a stadium full of fetishized sexual individuals while their fathers Dude, are rooting them on. Like, what is the fantasy there? <laughs> I mean, clearly you have something to prove to your father, or you feel like yeah, you do. Yeah. Is it to be like... You told me I couldn't be president, Dad, so here I am. And also, you told me I would never get a hot woman, so I've got five. I got football stadium full of them. Like, it's more like I don't, it's like I got it to where it's like you're so full of some kind of toxic shame that the only thing that can expunge it is a stadium full of your father saying, Go, son, go. Like, that's. Uh-huh. Like, like that—that's the only way it can you, you, you can shield yourself from the the shame of the depravity you're putting yourself and these other people through. I don't. Oh, see, I thought it, I thought it felt like it was rooted in something that his father, you know, had told him, or or just the way uh, that his father had made him feel as a child. Yeah. And so he was trying to prove something to him. And there's also. You know, it's a stadium full of people that vaguely look like his father. Um, it looks like the thing that defines Rick's father and Rick's mind <laughs> is like this very madman kind of Henry Crane establishment. Yeah. You know, like this this guy was a foreman at a factory or he was mm-hmm. a middle management supervisor of an ad team. And he clips on his tie and he goes to work, damn it. And he gets his so, – so it very, very – opposite of rick who's yeah. as far as an anti-establishment as you can get and still conceptualize a council of yourselves i guess uh-huh which isn't that anti-establishment one of the many <laughs> in- internal contradictions of rick yeah i mean he didn't set it up that's true the rick c-137 those are lesser all lesser ricks yeah all lesser but yeah it definitely feels like you know it's a rebellion kind of thing mm-hmm. it's like look how far i've come living my life the way you said i shouldn't be lived yeah <laughs> sort of thing do you want to get a little deeper into the Unity plot? Because yeah. one thing that I – a lot of ink was spilt digitally about Rick's sexuality. Would you consider Rick pansexual? Yeah, physically, certainly. Uh-huh. I mean, the, the the people or the entities, whatever, these aliens that he's banging, uh, they're of all sexual – or they're of all uh, genders. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think so. Is it like a natural inclination or is it like a is is it like a from a lifetime of experience leading you jaded to where you're always looking for bigger and crazier experiences? So that's that's a fine question. And also like what's the line? Like if pansexuality is the I mean, destination you arrive after that journal after that journey, are you not you it, know? Yeah, I mean I don't think he's found a line. I don't think he'll ever find a line. I mean, once you hang glide into a stadium with your dick out, right, like, right, your lines don't exist, man. There's some kind of there's some kind of sexual, at least adjacent relationship with giraffes going on too. Like that's pretty okay. pan. Yeah, so that's pretty pan. When when you go, I mean, I guess you're already outside your species, and you're outside even like your concept, like with a hive mind versus a singular mind. Oh yeah, and that's why I kind of hesitated and why I qualified as physical, right? Because I don't know what it is, uh, the unity, but it is an entity, and whatever it is, I think, is the thing that Rick is really getting down with. But what is okay? So that's that's the next thing I want to talk about. Like, it's clear. Maybe that. Maybe that. I just answered my own question because it's very clear that Unity is fascinated by Rick because he is just unapologetically ultra individualistic yeah. in a way that, like, I, I wonder. You know, when they met, like, is that something that she realized from across a planetary bar or did she try to assimilate him and he was just like not having it or Hmm. what? But the other direction, like, I don't 
what's Rick's fascination with her? Because I don't think it's like, oh, you're a collective, and I just think that's cool. I think it's a challenge. I, I honestly think this is a challenge to Rick's, this kind of being who can uh, kind of encompass so much, in my opinion, challenges Rick. Because if you look at the beginning of this episode, essentially, like, Rick wants to prove that he can party just as hard as she can and get just as crazy. And I feel like by the end of this, he has partied her into the ground. Mm. And that's what he's looking for. That's the feeling he wants. Yeah, and she's also, like, uh, he says when she talks about her plan, like, you know, I'm I'm wanting to take this planet and raise it up into a level one civilization, get it full galactic membership, and then take over the universe— I think he says unironically, oh, that's sexy. I like that. Like, he's attracted to that just crazy naked ambition. Like, if Rick gave more of a fuck, he might try to bend the galaxy in his will. But instead, he's, you know, that's that's kind of too much of a hassle. Um, So I think he's attracted to that. And, like, he's – so he sees that as, like, a high achieving. Like, that's an ambitious thing. And he sees himself as a high achiever, ambitious. Mm -hmm. But he's also, like, super into hedonism. And she is, too. So it's, like, almost (laughs) like – he she that 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 unity the 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 it's it's pointless to try to decide which gender they are because they're 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 pan gender themselves yeah um unity uh represents that kind of ideal but unity keeps realizes that it's kind of like you know when you grow up with people and like you go through high school and in college and young adulthood and like you're all kind of like little mini hedons you know you're running around you're drinking, you're partying, like, every weekend, right? But eventually you get jobs, you get families, and you have to start making sacrifices to the hedonism to do the other things that you find in value in life. And yeah. Rick's like that that friend that eventually you lose contact with or you only see once a year and you get in a lot of trouble with because they just never stop. Mm-hmm. And Unity doesn't want that for themselves. They want something more. Yeah, and I think, as pointed out in the letter at the end, can't help themselves when they're around Rick. Right. Um, because, you know, that individualism and that just party mode constantly is attractive mm-hmm. uh, to someone like unity, but also it's detrimental to them. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's where your balance point in that is very individualistic, yeah. but it's, you know, uh, you, you got to find it for yourself. Like whether you party once a weekend or once a month or once a year or every day, like it, it's, it's only a problem, I guess, if it's, you know, that's what they say. It's like, you, you, you only have an addiction, if it interferes with the rest of your life, right? Otherwise, it's just yeah. it, there's no difference between something you're addicted to and something you're just really enthusiastic about as a hobby, except for, boy, that thing that you really like doing is fucking with the rest of your life and causing you unhappiness. Yeah, the- and I think one of the reasons that I say this Unity presents a challenge to Rick is because when we when Rick and Unity are first reunited, uh, it's made clear that Unity has advanced a lot you know, beyond what Rick knew that mm-hmm. they, sh- I, I think it says like when we met, I was just a, like a small town uh-huh. worth of people. Now I've got an entire planet here. Uh, unity is thriving without Rick. And I think Rick takes exception to that. So I think this would be a good place to pivot into the other kind of moral conundrum, which is summer's problem, with this whole thing okay. that like, we're rooting for Unity's quote-unquote personal advancement and self-actualization, but it's coming at the expense of a galaxy, <laughs> of a planet's worth of individuals and soon a galaxy. How yeah. do we feel about that? That's where this episode gets real tricky. That's where Rick and Morty always gets tricky. Yeah, and like I see this, 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 this happens all the time where like people want to see freedom as absolute until they it, – it's like the Always Sunny episode – where was it? Was it Mac and uh, Charlie open up a bar where anything goes? 
And, you know, their idea of anything goes was a lot of like hot co-eds coming oh, and getting naked and doing right. that. But then Frank's idea Fucking of anything Frank. go was running an illegal like was deer hunter. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. I was, <laughs> was running with some really bad shit. Like, well, that's not what we think freedom is. Yeah. And the reaction, like, it feels like I don't. Why is it that people see things in like free, like freedom and liberty in terms of absolutes rather than like interlocking rings of like responsibility? I don't know. I, I think it's hard to imagine what someone else's freedom looks like to them. Yeah. Because like absolute freedom is just pure Darwinism. Like whatever yeah. you can will and might and make right is 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 what it's gonna be. Right. Whereas like I think most people, like even the people that um like really wanna preach absolute freedom, they they have this summer reaction where it's like, mm -hmm. oh well maybe and I don't know, it's like it just seems like that's Broadly speaking, what a lot of people ping pong between, like the desire for personal freedom, but then like, oh, God, people might abuse it. So let's restrict that. But, you know, try to maximize my own personal freedom and minimize the freedom mm -hmm. of people that are doing things I don't like. Yeah, like, that line, I didn't know that freedom meant people doing stuff that sucks. Yeah. Is like so telling. Yeah. Uh, I, I really loved it. And I, yeah, Summer's, Summer's angle on this whole thing is where do you think the show comes down on it do you think it gives a clear like this is what we think freedom is or i think it goes back to like kind of a discussion of the nihilism of last episode is like morty kind of has the most cogent response which is like you know real life isn't perfect but it's life yeah and we're also part of life we speaking the like quote-unquote the the good the good guys the the people that the universe if it was rooting for someone to root for the people who want to make things better uh, we're part of that life and our desire to make things better and to uplift things and to accomplish things is part of that. So, you know, I mean, it's always a struggle between whether are people at their core good or bad. And it's always seemed obvious to mm -hmm. me that like most people must be good or like highways wouldn't work. If you had a whole okay. bunch of like, I would argue they don't here in Cincinnati, but all right. <laughs> right. But sure. it's like a fifty-one forty-nine thing. I still think we're yeah. we're, yeah. we're holding on to our fingernails to good. But you know what I mean, like. That like no one would queue up ever. There, the the highways would look like some kind of Mad Max Thunderdome if everyone is as psychotic as people. I think a lot of people are afraid. Mm -hmm. So like, lean into that, and we'll deal collectively with the assholes. Then you know, like either running roughshod over everyone's individual freedoms, or but I, I don't know. That's well, it, it's there's a question in here. I think of overriding certain people's freedoms too right yeah. like because uh, do you think there in this episode there's an allegory about uh, something to say about putting people in prison in general because like you see what happens with summer when she gets her way right and mm -hmm. and freedom reigns suddenly there's a huge race war that mm -hmm. erupts and and it becomes very clear that oh these people are actually assholes like like unity tried to tell us uh in that episode these people are bad people mm -hmm. you know he was a sex offender and a mm -hmm. pedophile whatever until i i took over is is the episode trying to make a statement about putting people in prison or or even more specifically about racism uh and, and how that relates to whether or not people should be put into prison yeah i mean it's the the thing is it's a cartoon so it's able to serve up these really binary perspectives so like this planet sure. divided between cone and target nipple people uh uh the only thing stopping them from waging a war of annihilation. Like, it's just like the Star Trek episode where, like, oh, this guy's got a white... Half of his face is white and half of it's black, but that guy's black on the left side, and they, they're mm -hmm. locked in this eternal struggle. Real life is, like, 
yeah, that's what the borders of the war look like. But there's a vast there's a vast amount of people that don't give a fuck, and there's a vast amount of people that also are like, oh, this is stupid. We should stop doing this. And mm-hmm. you know, it's it's trying to get everybody on the same page at the same time. That's the trick, right? Because there's always a fresh crop yeah. of people joining both sides of the battle lines and trying to figure it out yeah and there's also it's also very rare that like it's a symmetrical battle too there's usually someone that's got you know things set up the way they like it and the other people they're getting shit on and that's Mm -hmm. so i where does the show come down on all that it's it's i don't know because it's it doesn't have an obligation to do anything but kind of hold this up and because because i think what they they they're trying to say ultimately is the things that divide us are kind of arbitrary and stupid like we think it's really stupid to argue that cone people are better than target people, but what if the cone people have a whole bunch of pseudo scientific arguments about like, well, if you look at the average intelligence of the target people nipples, yeah. you you know you you let them run government, they're gonna run it to the fucking ground. They're lazy. They like it's not just the the physical things are the way we kind of draw a lasso around all yeah, the other yeah. shit that we just want to you know lump on the other populations. So. Uh-huh. I like I said, it's like Rick and Morty's got this ability to be very, very smart and also really dumb and kind of one dimensional all simultaneously. Yeah, not not need to do much more than entertain you. Yeah, um, yeah. But but it Get does reach. About it. Yeah, it does reach for those concepts yeah, very often. Like like this Beta Seven shit is just a drive by commentary on nice guys. Okay. And friend zone. Sure. Yeah. And and not a like like they don't need to spend any more than forty five seconds on it because it's obviously. It's like, like, look at it. Look how pathetic this existence is. Yeah. What is this in for? Like, if if if, the, if Beta Seven's in this for a pragmatic exchange of goods and services, and he shouldn't care that Rick's showing up, or if he does care, it's more of like, well, this is disrupting to my agreement with Unity. But that's not what's going on. The the <laughs> the the new husband in the Weatherman was his name Jerry. I don't. I, I could tell <laughs> His you. His name was Jerry. I, I just can't help but think like Beta Seven is very much like that dude, mm. just like gatekeeping. Yeah. And like, yeah. It's... Oh, and loves it. Loves it. Yeah. Uh-huh. But like, as as Rick probably rightly points out, that like you're not. You know, you want more than just pragmatic exchange, you little fucker. Right. And Patton Oswalt is so good. He is at you know instantly conveying all like being in on the joke and yeah he's just he's not just having really to say it just bringing it through in the tone of voice yeah and the the, the borg is, is like this i was really that's also really fucking funny uh just having the borg be the the beta to mm-hmm. uh, you know uh unity's hot collective i just, yeah. that's really funny uh and rick is the spa- is the cosmic chad <laughs> uh then there's a couple other things i thought was really funny like rick's he sees like Unity destroy a town just for like you know, and yeah. it, it, there's so many things because I ever I, if if you've had any kind of interesting life, you've been in situations where you're at a rager and everyone's having fun, but then someone goes a little too far. Mm-hmm. Like this is the equivalent of setting the couch on fire, right? Uh, and like there's a little bit like Rick's eyes go wide, like you kind of like oh haha yeah this is fun. Hey, where's my grandkids? They're safe, right? Uh, I thought that stuff was right on. It's um, it's good to see that Rick does have a line. Yeah. It's, the, the line is somewhere, but finding it is real damn hard. Yeah. I think Unity found it. But also, that line is also in the same zip code as his general concern for his alcohol level and his blood. Because okay. like, ah, where's my grandkid? Also, my cup's empty. Like, Yeah. But there's yeah. also an explicit link between there. Like, his uh, his his 
you know, this is the Wubba Lubba Dub Dub hypothesis mm -hmm. uh, to its natural conclusion. Like, Rick is using all these drugs and experiences to numb himself from his existential pain. Yeah. And, like, when the existential pain starts creeping in on his conscious, he's looking for, oh, my drink's in. Uh, you know what will fix this? Either my grandkids being safe or me being way drunker than I already am. Mm-hmm. The other thing they kind of do in a, uh, like a drive-by way, which caught my attention, because uh, I woke up this morning and I read an article that uh, Barcelona just ruled that women can go topless in all public pools. Apparently, okay. this is something that has been culturally the custom, but there's been some complaints that some pools in the city were saying, you can't, you got to cover up your nipples, but the men don't. Uh, and the you know Barcelona is like ah settle for all the whole city it's a topless for everybody accompanying law every town must have a public pool <laughs> <laughs> but then in this episode there's like this kind of pointed thing where Morty right away rip, whips his shirt off and shows his nipples to say like hey look I'm not I'm not a target or a cone nipple and Summer's mm -hmm. like yeah me too but just take your my word for it and also during the race war all the women are clothed it's like there's a they don't even point it out but there's an absurdity that you can't have animated nipples unless they're boy nipples even alien nipples yeah are verboten if they're attached to even, an anthropomorphic yeah and, nipples that are unrecognizable as nipples uh-huh or if they're if if, if you don't anthropomorphize because we've seen all types of eight-legged weird tentacled things with boobies and testicles and cocks sprouting on the show but like it can't be humanoid nipples that tells me the the standards and practices thinks that nipples are not form or function, their mm. their location. Mm. Nipples are location. Yeah. Could, what could I put there that wouldn't be considered a nipple? A Statue of Liberty? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Leaning like, Towers of Pisa. A, a fully animated horse head? Like, what <laughs> What wouldn't you consider a nipple in that location? Yeah. I, it's, because I'm not going to, I'm not going to be one of those types that's like, uh, there's nothing there, there. It's more of like. Nothing. There you go. You solved it. Yeah. You just have you no, put nothing there. You go to Barbie route. Um, I mean, it's definitely a societal change we're going under, but, and like, I definitely see where people are like, well, it's, of course it's different. Like it's sexual, but it's like, but we're the ones that brought that context to it. So we could also yeah. choose not to. And obviously lots of parts in the world don't have this arbitrary, like male nipple, female nipple distinction, or it's not as rigid. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think all that is, is, you know, the, the recognition that this is a, a sexual part of the human body mm -hmm. is kind of built into humans, but the shame of it, the the like, the desire to cover that up and not show it, mm -hmm. uh, not have that be part of who you are, mm -hmm. I, I think is truly artificial. Right? That's, also weird. that's the construct. There's also something it. weird and patriarchal too, because if you talk to women, like shoulders are second, broad shoulders are secondary sexual features strong oh. forearms are sexually like like it, you know there's a lot of women will get weak at the knees with a guy with nice forearms rolling up his sleeve so like is that sexualized hmm. isn't okay. it super convenient that all the things sexualized about us we don't have any problems flexing in public except right. for our our yangers which for what it's worth seem like a global <laughs> taboo like nobody just goes around their privates <laughs> hanging out yangers doesn't seem like it uh-huh so i don't know we're talking about publicizing the nipple that's all yeah, let's, let's uh, get it out there. Yeah, come on. Come on, English-speaking world. Free the mm -hmm. nipple. I mean, the Chaos Chaos song, Do You Feel It at the End? <sighs> this 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 whole scene of, like, Rick being completely disassociated from his family when they come home because Rick, Beth has this emotionally charged conversation with him, doesn't even register. He goes out in his lab and unambiguously plans his own suicide. Mm -hmm. 
the only thing that foils him is his level of drunkenness and the amount of substance he's ingested. Yeah. Um, I mean, holy shit. Why is Rick suicidal in this in this instant, do you think? I, I think there's a combination here. I think it's it's obviously certainly Unity dumping him. Um and, and him realizing like that he's kind of the negative influence on this entire relationship to mm. begin with. Yeah. Uh but I think it's also a combination of uh Rick or, or sorry, Morty and Summer having just bounced on him and him having said basically i don't need you you guys mean nothing to me uh-huh. he, he's kind of kicked everyone out of his life at this point yeah and then and went all in unity on yeah the debauchery put train. all his chips in on unity and then when she dumps him he's got nowhere to turn I, the response should be to go to try and reconnect with morty and summer uh-huh. uh in some way but you know he it's he's not capable of that in the moment yeah it's also because like i you know um it's also the tale of someone that has like an intense, like just a real, like almost spiritual, physical connection with somebody, but their goals and other things in life are not aligned. And like that's always feels like one of the more painful things to get over because, you know, we're, you know, we, we're, we're kind of driven by our sex. And like this also seemed like the most, the satisfying way that Rick can you plausibly you're never going to find it in a singular mind. You're never going to be able to dive bomb into a stadium full of redheads with your father cheering you on. <laughs> right. And any other thing. And so it's like, he's like, everything else is going to be downhill from here. So what do you do? And sure. The logical thing to do is like turn, turn towards inward satisfaction and an emotional connection over the physical. But like Rick's not, not really well equipped for that kind of self inspection. Yeah, I agree. Um, I would also say like, in that case, what I think Rick should be considering is if this is actually the best thing that he's ever going to have in his life. Mm. Because before he met Unity, he probably would have said something else was that, right? That's true, yeah. So so removing the future opportunity to have something even better, meet another entity, meet you know another entity like Unity that is also has the goals aligned. Like that opportunity It'll follow him might into be the, in his the, the spiral to hell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe that's what he wants. I don't, I don't know. But, or maybe, or can maybe make that's him. The, that's like, the realization. Like, oh my god, if I found like the perfect version of Unity, we'd both be dead in a year. Or it could change him. Like that, that's the uh, thing that that's the thing that I don't think you know r- rationally you should be considering, but I don't think is going through your head if you're Rick Sanchez in this moment. Yeah, because he has he ever found something that's irreplaceable. Because it doesn't seem like anything is. He can always skip to dimensions and right. find something that's ninety nine point nine 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 percent as good to him. Yeah, doesn't there? Doesn't this imply that there have to be infinite unities out there? Some of which, some of which his goals would align with his. Yeah, you and could, they could dimension hopping. Yeah, I bet. I bet those Ricks are awful protective of those unities. <laughs> but he's the Rickest Rick. That's true. I feel like he could handle he's them. Waltzing and I mean that's the other thing is like uh, you know would you. Uh, like so if you found let's say you found someone that's 90% is compatible with you and then you get married to them you you get assimilated by them whatever and then a couple years later you meet someone you suspect is 91% better or like 91% instead of 90 mm. like yeah. the, at what point you're like I want to roll the dice an extra 1% or even if it's 10 like it's 100% <laughs> versus 90 like that's where it's like you know even if he's a rickest rick like he would have to scale several boundaries to get the unity in 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 the unity's like you know to pry her away from the other rick just to give i don't know that's that's the thing i would think about yeah because uh 
you know, the, it, yeah, once you find something that works, stick with it until, you know, it doesn't. The end of this episode worked. It hit me fucking hard. Yeah, no, I, I, it's one thing that, like, I always just, when I watch it, and I also have this song on one of my thumbs up playlists. Um, every time it comes on, I think about it and, like, you know, cause the, the lyrics are kind of interesting. It is a breakup song, but it's like a person's, like, challenging to the other person to be honest and be real. And, like, you know, like, I didn't, that's like, you know, like, like to, to, to kind of reconnect. And if we did that, then this thing wouldn't end. And it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's also very fitting for the, the, the tone. And it's just a badass song. Yeah. It's fucking a uh, slap. And in addition to all those other things, mm-hmm. uh, we haven't even talked about the B plot. Okay. Fortunately, I think we can it, blow through the B plot. We can blow through the B plot in like a minute. Uh, yeah. Jerry is I, so. Where's the boundary violation here? Because like I guess like I feel like if you rent if if wh- it's it's all on Rick's side. Rick has violated the boundaries. Yeah, but like if 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 the deal is that, that Rick gets one bedroom in the garage, then like mm-hmm. Jerry's been an asshole for going in the garage and going through Rick's stuff. Did they say that's the deal? I don't. I, I don't know. That's why I'm saying like I don't. I, I don't know what was the deal. I don't know what's the deal when Rick moved in. I don't know what the deal that Rick has wheedled his way into now. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, Jerry still has his weed whacker out in the garage. So, yeah, I guess I always assumed it was a de facto garage takeover. Mm. It was just like, well, Rick's got all of his shit out here, and yeah, and it's scary. We don't explodey. <laughs> yeah, we don't know what to make of it, so let's not go in there. And then now that they, you know, he needs to find the weed whacker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I I think Jerry has the right of it. Um, oh, for sure. In, in this episode, like Rick is manipulating Beth. Mm-hmm. He's he's taking advantage of her affection and and approval seeking of his. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he, Rick's walking all over him, and Beth and Beth is letting it happen. And by extension, Jerry sort of feels like he has to let it happen. Yeah, because it's not his dad; it's Beth's dad. There's also a little bit of. Um... You know, is Jerry mad about the fact that Rich that that Rick put a hatch in this garage, or is he mad about the fact that he's kind of vying for Beth's affections, and also that Rick is pointing out his obvious inadequacies? Yeah. You know, is it like, because uh, like if if Jerry's securing himself, the conversation about like, hey, your dad can't keep an intergalactic criminal under gar- our garage, right? That's we're on the same page. Is different from like all the in, in, in vindictive and the passive aggressive stuff that comes out mm-hmm. that leads to just aggression, aggression. I mean, at the end, like if you watch what they're saying to each other, they're screaming, like he's calling her like the, you, you know, I'm not the child in this relationship. You're the child. And she's mm-hmm. saying just terrible, terrible things to him. Just really vicious. It gets, and the only thing that like stops it is blim, blam, the Corlock <laughs> coming and like, yeah, yeah. What What is so funny about it is like how Jerry, and Beth both had like these radically different takes on what Rick was doing based on their, um, you know, yeah. deepest fears or greatest hopes for Rick. And Blim Blam the Corlac is exactly in the middle. Confirms both, but denies both. And, yeah. yeah. Like they're both equally right. They're both equally wrong. And, but they're both assholes. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing is like uh, this, you know, you've seen this, this, this kind of call out confrontation a bunch of different times. What elevates on Rick and Morty is the fact that he can't open the garage door. And the mm-hmm. garage door is super slow. And they just then, let a baby eater out into the world. Yeah. I mean, along uh, with the flaming eels, along with the – or the flaming laser eels. Like, there's a lot of bad shit that gets out of Rick. That, that's the other thing. It's like, you know, we talked about last season when he lands the flying saucer and no one notices. Like, there's so much weird yeah. shit going on in this house all the time. Like, how? How? Rick has to have some kind of <laughs> – 
you know, anti-muggle device installed or something that makes people. But I, I did like Blim Blam's like flipping them off as he walks away. Uh-huh. That was really fun too. Um, and then you know, for what it's worth, Jerry won this argument because Beth takes the heart and puts her foot down with Rick, and Rick's just too preoccupied to really notice or care. Yeah, I have to wonder if Jerry would even be capable of doing what Beth does here, because I think Beth does you know, have some self-reflection after this and realizes, okay, yeah, um, I might be right about some of this, but I'm also letting Rick walk all over me. And Beth is without having some kind of crazy plot against her, say like, you know, without the presence of Cronenberg monsters, she can mount up enough backbone to do difficult things that need to be done. Yeah. Whereas Jerry seems like, unless he's absolutely forced by the situation, he doesn't have those bones. No, I think Jerry does... The physically difficult sometimes, but Beth does the emotionally difficult mm. more often. Mm. Uh, like like loving Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> it's work. Yeah. And there's the the tag on the end of the episode, which, I don't know, we kind of talked about Rick wanting to see Unity, but being boxed out by Beta 7, Beta Shit 7. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was just funny. Yeah, arming weapon systems. Oh, you wish you had weapon systems. And then the, the real funny thing is George... I don't know why I keep saying Jordy. Morty mm-hmm. sitting there riding shotgun like, I thought we were going to the movies. You know, like Rick, <laughs> yeah. it's like, that's so fucking Rick. Like, did he, uh, he's just like drinking on the way to the theater. gets a wild air to go see Unity. But it's, yeah. I don't know. It's, you don't need any more joke than the fact that Morty is an afterthought in that situation. Lay it, lay it down. Let me see your hand. Show me what you got. You're always talking. All right, Jim. Dare we open this portal to Dimension BM77 and go plot to the future where we access behind-the-scenes details, trivia, and spoilers for future uh, episodes. Also, this is the off-ramp for everybody that doesn't want that. Uh, Jim, what did you? What was your takeaways from... Uh, BM seventy seven. Uh, I learned in the commentary that this was an episode that was punted from season one. Yeah, they they thought about doing it and didn't. I, it's hmm. I, I wonder how that changes the dynamics, the relationship dynamics, if they do this episode earlier. Because I know it wasn't always planned to be exactly this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, having an explosive fight between Jerry and Beth. Yeah. Uh, having you know Rick essentially fail to kill himself mm-hmm. um that's that's a lot of shit to yeah. load onto season one yeah and yeah i mean I, it's funny because it seems like what they did is they started kind of like the rick and morty uh writing room by writing down like every science fiction trope or concept they could and like you know and i wonder when they pulled like oh rick is going to date a you know, hive mind collective, if they realize the kind of hammer that they're going to bring down at the end. Cause like, it's yeah. like, you, you might be right. I might've gotten lucky. Maybe if they did in season one, they did, it doesn't go this dark mm-hmm. because it was pre wubba lubba dub dub being translated to I'm in pain. And yep. Or they might've like maybe started poking on it. It's like, Oh man, this is like a really heavy subject. Let's like leave it for later. I wonder well, the like, writers whether themselves could have been in different places. Mentally, yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and we know the writer's room. I think there's, they're, they're definitely a big turnover from two to three, but I, you know, I'm assuming there's like, you know, new people in there and almost mm-hmm. every season you yeah. bring people in to try out. So I just thought like, I don't, whether it's accidental luck or whether they said, Oh yeah, we need to put this back on a shelf. You're, you're right. It would have been, 
it would have made the show dark a lot darker to, to talk about this stuff early in season one or even any point in season one. Definitely. I thought there was um, some interesting discussion about like Dan talking about how he wanted the cold open to be a lot more like Ridley Scott mm-hmm. alien. Yep. Uh, you know, with like they're wearing the full vacuum and... suits and he was having this conversation with the director is like, ah, oh, you guys made me, uh, oh, you worship the almighty budget. You worship the almighty budget. And they're like having this conversation. And it's like, I don't think it's like, and then they get to the point and it's like, oh, right. The puking, the puking. They couldn't be wearing helmets because of the puking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, I wonder. You always get in these commentaries, half remembered things, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and that's fine. Like everybody has imperfect memories i definitely do yeah uh but it's always fun to see them connecting dots live on the the commentary track yeah yeah i also thought it was kind of interesting justin Royland is talking this story i don't know if it's an actual true story if it's just something he's put together to pastiche but he remembers this documentary about like wrestlers and how they go on the road and they'd be doing piles of coke and having orgies with eight women and they'd come home to their wife and kids and wonder why they can't get hard anymore because it's like, that's why I asked you about the whole pansexuality. It seems like in the writer's room, it's not so much a Rick is pansexual because it seems like he obviously has a type. It's more of like yeah. he is just so fucking jaded by doing rails of Kalax off of triple-breasted Martian prostitutes with 17 interdimensional vag- vaginas that he just needs to be hang gliding dressed as Uncle Sam, dive bombing into a stadium full of redheads, why his dad cheers him on and there's got to be a giraffe in the corner uh-huh <laughs> which the also yeah. the, the giraffe wasn't exactly sucking his thumb and rocking to it but he the the, the, the giraffe, look, giraffe looked like he had some some thoughts about what had just happened to him i bet that's a lot for a giraffe to take in yeah you know the other thing is like i read a lot of commentary about this episode and a lot of people talked about you know like the addiction spiral and all that kind of stuff um yeah. not a single person had to take about uh what is the ethics of having sex with a planet full of people that are being commandeered by another intelligence? Like on one <laughs> level, this is like this, like she's the, this, an entity super roofied the whole planet and Rick's having not, uh, uncons- non-consensual sex, but with the consensual consciousness that's commandeering the body. What, where, where the fuck do you score that? Is that, is that why no one wrote about it? Cause it's like, I don't know. I mean, I, I know which category to put that mark in. Oh yeah. And it's not in Rick's favor. No, well, it's not in Unity's. Not even no one's no, no, no. got. No, definitely not. And also, like, they're all terrible people doing terrible things in these moments. So yeah. But uh, I thought that was kind of in today's internet culture. The fact that like that's like a vacuum. Like no one brought it out. Like wow, interesting. Did you? What did you make of the head cannon that uh, that that uh, Dan Harmon busted out in his commentary? That the yellow liquid that Rick pours on the creature and then imbibes himself synchronizes all timelines of himself so he wasn't just going to kill himself he was going to kill the concept of rick sanchez from the fucking universe and he killed every concept of that creature too yes less problematic but <laughs> yeah yeah no I don't know. maybe that maybe that creature's got an like a crazy uh depth experience and sensitivity and intelligence and, and whatnot but uh it might it might but yeah i mean I went directly from watching this episode into watching the commentary. Uh-huh. And as hard as that ending hit me without the commentary, when mm-hmm. Dan said that, I was like, that how- fuck. Yeah. And also it's like, it's 
the more you know about Rick and Morty, the darker it gets because we know in season three that there are versions of Rick off enough deviated off the central finite curve that they're decent people uh-huh. that have like rich lives with their families and their daughters and you know and Rick he's killing all them too. Yeah, yeah. like I, it, it's not it's 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 not just that I'm depressed and like all the the miserable Ricks are depressed and we're not worth it, but like we're willing to take the infinite versions of Rick that are healthy and well adjusted with us. Yeah, I, I mean it's and oh the <laughs> other I. I I wouldn't normally call it this, but self-destructive in the most literal way possible. Yeah, to the nth degree. The other yeah. thing I thought is like when I when I gave it second thought is like how does Rick exist with an infinite amount of Ricks that are infinitely mm, amount of fucked yeah. up, and they can any and any any of them at any time can take a substance and kill them all at one time? Like how has that never happened? And, and presumably there are versions of him that did do that in this scenario, right? In this very moment. Like, there would have been some that succeeded. Holy shit, That were shit. a little less yeah. fucked up. Oh, well, yeah, wow. And yeah. so he should disappear in that moment, even though he wasn't able to do it himself. Unless they're suggesting that Rick at some bottom <laughs> Num- level... Number one question that Dan and Justin <laughs> don't give a fuck about <laughs> like right here, everybody. At some point, that Rick is just like, he just it's impossible for him to kill himself because he just doesn't... You know, there's something there that keeps stays his hand or he's like, you know, that only happens when he's so blackout drunk that he's going to always stumble out of it. Still, still straight, really strains the concept of infinite. Yeah, it really narrows it Yeah, a little I, more I, than I'm comfortable with. Also, I wonder, like, if there's like this, maybe there's limits to the synchronization, like he's talking about, like, it's going to take, you know, X amount of deviation off that standard finite curve or central finite curve. Yeah. Yeah. It takes now, everybody. Now we're just inventing our own head cannon here. Well, it is interesting because I don't think this is actually canon. I think it's just right. Dan's personal head cannon because like the rest of everyone else kind of like ooh and odd over it too. So mm-hmm. uh, there, there you go. Think it's before you speak, Dan. Jesus, it, it introduces <laughs> a lot of intricacies here that you probably yeah. didn't consider. What do you think? You can just get drunk and get on a DV <laughs> commentary and talk about your own goddamn show? The temerity. The temerity. <laughs> Pickle Me This is distributed by Bald Move in association with Starburns Audio. It's produced by Jason Smith and Scott Porch from Starburns and myself, Manayron, from Bald Move. All music featured on this podcast is from the Rick and Morty soundtrack, available from Sub Pop Records. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To discover the many other great shows we do, please check out baldmove.com and starburns.audio. If you appreciate what we do and want to directly support us, consider joining our club at club.baldmove.com to get access to exclusive bonus audio and video features. Finally, you can follow us on your favorite social media at Bald Move. See you next time.